รู้สแกบรลสิทธิสดกุยทูวเสยากเบิดสันเวท In the name of God the Father, is one of a kind Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and His life-giving Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, my beloved brethren and sistren, to the Tuado Bible Study Podcast. This week, you've got a special episode. Our first ngada or our first guest with us today, and his name is Deacon Dawit, and he serves at Holy Trinity's Orthodox Christian Church in Sacramento. We'll hear a little bit from him now. All right, my good brother Deacon Dawit or Diakon Dawit, what's your diocese or jurisdiction within the Greater Tawahado or Miaphysite Orthodox Christian Communion? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory to God forever. Thank you, uh, Deacon Henok, for this opportunity. I appreciate what you're doing with the podcast and the service you're offering the youth, the English speaking. Uh, community uh, within the Orthodox Church and and uh, around the church. My uh, to answer your question, the diocese and the jurisdiction uh, that I uh, serve within uh, is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church in uh, California, Sacramento, to be specific. Uh, it's called the Holy Trinity Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahado Church. Perfect, perfect, and. What uh, ordination or ordinations have you received, and what was that whole process like? Uh, the ordinations I've received uh, started from uh, my ordination as a reader or anagostis within the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, and uh, following that, the uh, full deaconship, or uh, technically archdeaconship. Um, within the Oriental Orthodox Church, specifically in the Ethiopian tradition, and the process was um, pretty exciting. I enjoy. I've always looked uh, forward to serving God and growing in my service towards uh, towards God and for God in His Church. Um, becoming an anagostis or a reader within the church involved, uh, um, of course, prayer and contemplation, reflection. If this was God's calling for me to begin with. Because after Anagostis, uh, you are um, prescribed or assumed to be continuing, you know, further in the service towards priesthood, possibly. And although not all go towards priesthood, uh, once you enter the clergy, you are committing to something uh, different than regular laity service or service of the laity, um, which is equally important. So I had to do a lot of contemplation, reflection, and prayer. And um, so, after uh, a, a long period of uh, this um, questioning uh, and discovering God's will, and uh, of course that's following the uh, invitation by clergy towards this uh, towards this role. Um, I decided it, it was it was a good option and it was the correct option. It was God's will for me, and I was uh, ordained as a reader with a friend, another brother of mine that uh, served in Sacramento. We were ordained together within the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Deacon Adam. Deacon Adam. Yes, that's right. 
um, we are ordained together, uh, not in our uh, specific parish, actually. We visited the bishop, uh, Abu Namel Kazarik, and visiting Abu Namel Kazarik and receiving the um, ordination was the highlights of my life, if not the biggest highlight of my service. Um, yeah, so Deacon Alam and myself, we received the ordination together. Following that, uh, about six months later, we became full uh, deacons or archdeacons. And um, it's a constant growth and it's a constant reflection. It's a constant service, I think. And did you, I mean, you know, it's one of those things you ask when like, you know, people talk about their employment, but when you were a kid were you like oh i'm going to be an archdeacon when i when i grow up you know or you know what what how how did you i'm very interested in okay you know one day you became a reader and six months later you became an archdeacon or archdeacon but what about before then you know what were the the steps up the ladder you know were you the holy water pouring mm -hmm. uh choir member singing uh active communicant you know mm -hmm. uh or you know how does one get to to there i'm sure it wasn't poof one day you're a deacon although it, it could be like that like the original seven in the book of acts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that's great that you reminded me um yeah the book of acts tells us about the calling uh of the deacons and how stephen and the other deacons at the time were um were ordained and of course my story isn't uh to that extent or my story of how i became a deacon doesn't resemble the story in acts specifically um too too much but um from a young age i um i was interested and fascinated by uh the service in the church and um that's from everything from the tones and the voices of the clergy in the mornings when my mother would uh have us attend our service um you know, as as young kids, my sister and I, we would sit in the back and listen to these amazing tones. And uh, my mother would uh, enforce our participation, uh, at least at least to the extent our young and energetic uh, bodies were willing to <laughs> to stay in that church and stand and rise for prayer. But following um, following that initial fascination from my youth, I grew um, closer. I think after a brief encounter or brief um, uh, pulling by uh, uh, the clergy, uh, one one specific priest had uh, become a guest in our parish, and he was an English-speaking priest. So that really opened the door for me to connect with the fascinating world behind those curtains. This uh, <laughs> this English-speaking priest really opened the door, and from there, there's there's a a lot of a lot of growth and fascination that continued. I couldn't have dreamt of a better segue. So yeah, you know, uh, we're in the Ethiopian Orthodox Tawahado Church, and primarily and historically, the language of choice has been Gu'uz. Throughout some time, there has been some, you know, especially recently, minimal usage of Tigrinya, but predominantly, especially when you look at the Andimta or the, you know, the scriptural exegesis, 
community, it's in Amharic and in Giz, really no other Ethiopian languages have been involved. And so now as the church is seeking to go back to its roots and be more universal, we're seeing more services in different languages, especially English. And, and we've been seeing that for decades now, uh, particularly in the more Caribbean communities that are, are being served. But you're point about a priest who could speak English, you know, reaching out to you is another part of Acts, you know, mm-hmm. the the, um, the deacons are in Acts chapter 6, but in Acts, I believe it's uh, 19, if not 19, I think 22, someone maybe fact check me later, but I remember it says, when Paul spoke in the Hebrew language, or I think some translations say in the Aramaic language, they began to listen to him even more. Mm. And so that's an important point. How long... Uh, have you been involved in English language services and and helping English speakers? You know why why did you get involved in that? And you know who was there anyone in particular who pushed you to do that or self motivation or just God? You know mm-hmm. what was it? Well, I think uh, all of those things um, are part of it, um, and they make they had, each had their own effect. Uh, the calling by God the invitation by the priests um, in the in my local parish and uh, my own uh, personal um, connection with the language uh, it's the language I grew up speaking after the age of after the age of five after migrating here from Ethiopia that was um, the, the language I spoke most um, most uh, often and uh, so Although I think all languages are equal, um, uh, and English is in no way superior to Amharic or to, in the same way that Giz is not superior to Amharic or English, um, these languages are, are ways of communication. And so I've served in Amharic, I've served um, in English, and I hope to serve in Spanish, in Giz, one of these days, as I know. Uh, your service uh, uh, has reached those community or those language languages as well. Claro so, que sí. Right, right, yeah. I, and I think you've done Tensu, uh, Las Alot in Spanish before. Yeah, you say? the liturgical arise for prayer or exactly. stand up for prayer command. Yeah, it could be done in, uh, in any language. Yes. So, um, although all languages are equal in our pers- specific parish and in our um, communion English uh, in America is uh, is the language that we have to use to reach the uh, the future church or the community of believers and as the uh, apostles when they visited new areas as you're aware um, when the apostles would visit a new area uh, they would speak in the local language and they would evangelize in that local language so um, it was important then and it's important and now to relate to the to the listeners and to the future uh, believers so um, that's big on yeah. on this same kind of language point but bringing it to practical takeaways that are listen the listeners of this Tawaido Bible study podcast can can take away from you let's make one assumption that they're not the Likawant or the sages of Giz. Let's make the assumption they're not uh, the sages of Amharic. Let's make an assumption that they're not intimate with the biblical Greek and that they're not intimate with the biblical Hebrew. Let's say that predominantly, if they dabble in any other language, 
their best language is English. Mm-hmm. Now, how do they communicate with God? Or basically, what advice do you have for the listeners of this podcast about prayer in English and studying the Bible in English? If that's the main thing that they are skilled in. Of course, there are, you know, if they know the biblical languages, they should pursue those. And if they know Giz and Amharic, they, there are different resources for that. But for the Ethiopian Orthodox Tohado Christians who predominantly speak English, what prayer advice and scripture or Holy Bible reading advice do you have for them? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it's it's important to uh, to speak to them in, in their language and the... Uh, the importance of of speaking in English um, is is because it's what they're familiar with and it's their comfortable language. Uh, there have been requests to teach Amharic at at my parish um, during our our Sunday school services and for the youth um, for the youth. Oh. And so I've had uh, I've had that request to come up often as a teacher in the Sunday school, and I've I've tried to. Uh, to make myself available for that but it obviously within the small time we have the youth every week 30 minutes or so um we can't we can't divide the time to teach amharic and and uh scriptural studies and spiritual orthodoxy to the youth uh, once a week and and as well adding the amharic to it when we had our summer school uh, within our parish, we were able to do that, you know, because we had three or four days a week of of uh, time with the youth. So we were able to teach Amharic that was uh, accessible and and uh, effective because it wasn't just once a week. But uh, with the on your question about the um, prayer and prayer scripture and scripture, um, I think youth are uh, they need to speak to God in the language they think in. And so uh, prayer and scripture in English or prayer in general needs to be a very internal um, and honest from the heart experience. If uh, you're translating your prayers before you say them or if you are um, uh, just uh, reciting quotations, um, it, it's, it's less effective. The Bible teaches us uh, like the saints of the Old Testament and the saints of the New Testament. They prayed to God like King David uh, from their heart and and spoke to him uh, as their personal God. So um, a personal connection needs to be affirmed uh, to ourselves and to God from our language, from the things we're saying with the things we're using with our language and prayer takes many shapes and it's many forms and it's not just the words we speak as you know the a, a sigh of the holy spirit or the sighings and the groanings of the holy spirit as saint paul teaches us are our prayers as well but um uh, prayer needs to be a, a heartfelt honest and familiar communication with God, with our personal close God. He's not a far God, but a God who's very close to us. Nice. And and while they're being prayerful, any tips on how they should read the Bible? Um, well, of course, reading uh, the Bible has to be done through the um, guidance of the church and through the uh, 
tradition of the Orthodox faith. So, if it's if it's not um, if it's not supported by the church, and if it's not uh, um, if it's not uh, supported by the church, or if it's not correctly interpreted, um, as Saint Peter tells us, um, we're not uh, the Bible is not meant to be for personal interpretation, and so I recommend youth um, have a uh, plethora of resources uh, from the Orthodox Church with them as they read their Bible and especially as they get their interpretations of difficult concepts in the Bible or uh, meaty concepts in the Bible it's it's helpful to have a, a resource like um, an Orthodox comment a book commentary book or a, a YouTube channel where you can follow a series of sermons or, or a series of Bible studies on a specific chapter. And personally that's how I've grown the most with the Bible is having a um, accompanying YouTube video from an Orthodox father who's learned who has a theological uh, degree or theological training so accompanying my reading with this uh, type of sermon has really helped me grow and understand those mysteries within the Bible and apply it in a in a practical language. Nice, thank you. So um, I've been asking you a bunch of serious questions in a serious way. I still want to get to a serious point, but I may ask you this question in a little bit of a silly way. Now, if we were secular, I may tell you if you were given a magic wand, what would you do? Because we're not secular, I'll say, um, what if you were granted immediately and without any question, one prayer from God about making one administrative change within the Tawahado communion? What would it be? Um, you know, uh, that's a tough, that's a very meaty uh, question itself. And uh, it's um, maybe to make any of the things you've spoken about today easier. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, all things need to be done in prayer. And I think that ties to our the previous questions. If, if anything would be uh, to make anything easier or more um, effective within our communion um, or, and more efficient, uh, this body needs to work with the head and the head of the church and the head of the communion uh, of the Tawahado believers or Miaphysite Christians is Christ. And so we need to constantly have a connection with Christ. And that it's in all areas of our life and in all areas of the church. Um, the fingers need to have a direct connection to the head in, in biology. Um, and once disconnected, they don't move properly. So um, this applies to all parts of our life. Uh, some may say, should the administrative board, uh, should it be a, should churches be run by an administrative board? And is that the one, um, one solution? Or should the priesthood have more authority uh, in the church? Would that be the one solution? And many argue for that. Um, and I, 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 I think uh, either way, um, if Christ isn't the head and is not effectively connected to each decision, 
and each um, aspect of the administration within the church, uh, it's it's going to be significantly lacking. So if the administrative board or if the laity can collectively um, uh, facilitate the parishes, um, I, I would approve of that and I would agree with that. And the only way they can effectively and efficiently administer the Church of God is through God and through prayer. So uh, all questions and all uh, startings within within the church need to be um, what is God's role or what is God's, um, not what is his role, but what does God want from this uh event or from this uh, action and what is God's uh, plan and when we start with a question like that sometimes we may think God wants us to design this uh, type of um, hall for the church and that may be the plan we're praying for but God may surprise us and his plan for us may have nothing to do with buying a new building, but maybe, you know, it could be uh, having every uh, elderly couple go to confession and repentance so they can receive Holy Communion. Amen. So God surprises us many times when we ask initially for his will before any of our plans and anyone can have access to his will um, through prayer so whether it's the administrative board or the clergy that leads uh, if things are done in prayer that's the solution for our uh, our our administrative uh, problems and or just administrative uh, situation in the communion thank you and and i've learned by hearing scripture with ears that hear that the world will always, and you can note this in your employment, you can note this in school, they'll ask you, especially in job interviews, they'll ask you about something you do really well, and then they'll ask you something you don't do well. They'll call it strengths and weaknesses, they'll say room for improvement, and then they'll say things you're doing well at. All the time though, what you notice is, they always end on a bad note. So I asked you, in a, in a sense, to critically think about our wonderful church from a, a negative way in the sense of wanting to change something. So I want to end on a good note. I want to end on a, on a positive note. And when I use the word toahado, I want to make sure that uh, we're on the same page because we don't want to be like two ships passing each other in the night with our terms. When I say toahado or miaphysite, I'm referring to the Church of Ethiopia, where it is in Ethiopia, here abroad, uh, in Eritrea, in, you know, uh, in Egypt, in Syria, in Armenia, in India, wherever in the world we may be. So I'm, I'm using the term very broadly. But in, in your view, what is the Tawahado communion doing really well right now? So that's a very good point. Do we, uh, to be specific or to be clear, the, the Tawahedo communion uh, is that in in our terminology for this for the purpose of this conversation, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church in different locations, or the Miaphysite Church, um, including the Ethiopian, including the Egyptian Orthodox Church, the Coptic Orthodox Church, and so on. 
I'll I'll leave it open in the sense of we can make it specific to just the Ethiopians if you like, or we could discuss the, our communion at large. Okay, well, I think our communion at large is um, is doing some one thing specifically very well out of the many things there that we have done well and that the church has done well to be preserved to this day and to continue growing the um the church the oriental orthodox church uh which includes the syrian the indian the egyptian the ethiopian and eritrean uh and the armenian church if i'm not forgetting any is a uh, is a church of um martyrs and is a church of um of people of christians who have paid a price for their faith and for the ultimate the, price the ultimate price in many cases for the for the continuance of the faith and for simply the witnessing of christ and so in revelations chapter uh three verse seven uh the when christ is speaking to the church in philadelphia he says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things says he who is holy and who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast where you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." This is God speaking, I think, to a message for our Oriental Orthodox Church and the sacrifices that we've made, that our perseverance in the times of uh, testing has uh, given us a, a something to be very confident of and to be very happy for. Um, you know, Christ tells us that for this church the the philadelphia church which i think is resembles our churches he says uh, that that we have kept his word and have not denied his name uh so that's that's the major uh uh positive impact i think the orthodox church in uh, in the oriental traditions have done thank you may god have you here his word of life and I'm really pleased that you uh, spoke about martyrdom it's you know often I, I talk about how in in Greek and in is it you know the word for witness and the word for martyr it's the same word there's no distinction in English that's one of the things we lose 
by not having one of the original seven languages, you know, Greek, of course, being the first language that the book of Revelation was written in, G is being one of the first seven. There are certain things, there are certain points or 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 you said earlier you talked about how you know languages are equal that that's that's true languages are equal but there's something about studying the earliest translations of scripture that that gives us just that little edge of meaning and it's the job of us explaining the or expounding upon scripture in english to highlight this um this giving witness and so that that really is you know uh, it's the ultimate price, but it's also the ultimate form of Christianity. There's no Christianity as pure than um, the Church of the Martyrs, which particularly, you know, the Egyptians are known as the Church of the Martyrs. But yeah, you could speak about the Orthodox Christians in, in the Middle East and in Africa and, and in uh, Asia Minor, all, all over as as really being these ultimate witnesses. And I really love that you talk to us about brotherly love, because that's what uh, Philadelphia means is is brotherly love or the love of the brother, and that's always how I end the podcast is by saying, "Furthermore, we must love each other." Oh, yeah.